All right, folks, welcome back to another GD podcast. I've got an awesome treat for you guys. When I was at K&M, they actually set up um, on Friday, a bunch of vendors set up. So I got to talk to a bunch of the vendors that were there at Collis K&M rifle match. And it was awesome to be able to talk to some of these people. I talked to um, Short Action Customs, Forrester, Leupold, Collis, Boss Silencers. So go ahead. Um, it's a bit of a long one, but it's got some it's got some key nuggets in there and some really cool insights and just people that not only shot the match but came out and supported the match. So if you guys are looking to purchase anything in the future, definitely give these companies um, your uh, your time of day. Give them give them the uh, the opportunity to earn your business. Listen to the listen to the episode and 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 see if they've got something that you can use and think about these sponsors um when you go to go to spend your money because these are the guys that are actually showing up and they're actually involving themselves with the shooters so stay tuned guys it's going to be a good uh it's going to be a good ride thanks sweet there we go all right, folks, we are here at the K&M facility at the Collis match. And I've got with me... Warren Lewis from Short Action Customs. Awesome. So we've shot together a few times. Yep. Saving that sweet 6x47 brass for you. Absolutely, absolutely. You're the best. Are you still shooting that one? I am. I am indeed. I'm actually spinning up a 22x47 right now. 22 uh, by 47. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I actually got it. I haven't shot it yet. It's um, it's kind of sitting in the closet right now, waiting for a rainy day. But I don't expect barrel life to be great on it. But <laughs> it should be fun. It should be fun to play with. That'll be that'll be interesting for sure. So you're out here as a shooter, as a, and as a vendor. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So what I like to do is I always like to do the lightning round. Okay. So some warm up questions to get you relaxed and comfortable. In and out or Whataburger? Whataburger. Okay. From Texas all day. Okay. What What's your order when it comes to Whataburger? Uh, just a regular, you know, double double Whataburger with uh, fries and spicy ketchup. You know, maybe a sweet tea if there, we're in Texas. Yeah. There you go. Uh, match you want to attend that you haven't yet? Uh, Hornady PRC. Hornady PRC. Absolutely. Um, that That's the one where like every target's a diamond, right? And very far away and dusty. It's yeah. like the average range is like 1,200 or something like that? <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but I know it's, it's very dusty and, and hot. But it looks like a beautiful venue that Brian and George Garner put on up there. So, Man, that's got to be a tough match. Yeah. What's your match gear prep like? Match gear prep, um, I lay everything out. You know, being in the, being in the service, we do mm -hmm. layouts all the time. Um, lay everything out, go through my ammo, uh, make sure batteries are changed. I do change the batteries before every match and get okay. rid of them probably overkill for the kestrel but hey it's a uh, peace of mind and cheap insurance so lay everything out go through the gun make sure everything's tight um and then pack my bag in order everything goes in the same place every time okay um so i can just look in there and if it's there it's good um and then put it off in the corner you know the day before that way i just gotta grab it and go okay um do you like retorque anything or like check torque on I anything do, yeah I, I do go through the the action screws the scope mount stuff like that um and the muzzle brake Okay. Other than that, it's um, once I clean it and lube it, it stays like that until it's ready to go out the out the door. Okay. Hunting or fishing? Ooh, that's a tough one. 
Uh, I would have to say bass fishing only if that's an option. Okay. Um, or crappie. Uh, I like some big old slabs to fry yep. up, you know. Um, but I do enjoy hunting. I'm a big bow hunter. Okay. Um, so I do like to bow hunt. Um, being up north now, I get to bow hunt in Ohio, and then we got our farm in Texas, and then uh, Fort Campbell's along the way, so I get to hunt Fort Campbell every year as well. So that's a, that's always a good time. Go-to range snack. Ooh. Definitely not hot dogs. <laughs> uh, I will tell you the the best. I don't really carry snacks. I will tell you the best lunch I've ever had at a, at a match, though, is at Altus. And they fed us some Japanese steak uh, and Powders. rice. Yep. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. That's range lunch, but what's, like, your go-to range snack that, like, you keep in your bag so, like, you don't get the hungries? I don't carry one. You don't? I don't. I don't carry one. Would you consider dip to be a range snack? I have massive cans of amount of Copenhagen with me, yes. Okay. 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 So, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. And then person you want to train with. Like, if you were to go attend training, who would you want to go get some get some instruction from? Just one person? That's tough. Um. Well, it wasn't a softball question. No, it wasn't. We asked the hard I, questions I, w- I would here. say if I had to pick one, strictly one-on-one for uh, if I could spend a week with him, it would probably be Phil Vallejo out west. Okay. Um, just because he's out there. He's a very known good shooter. Shoot with him all the time. We talk quite often and share some ideas. But um, he's just he's been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm only five, five and a half years into this. Grew up hunting and stuff, but it's not, not the same. Not the same. Um, so I would say if I could spend one-on-one time with anybody – uh, to train with it, probably Phil Vallejo. Okay, fair enough. So you're here, and you guys have set up the Short Action Customs tent, and you guys have brought some standard goodies and then some new goodies. Yep. So let's talk about those standard goodies. You guys brought some some dies, comparators, and like dies, comparators. Um, we didn't bring any cedars because we're, we're still waiting on some parts for those at okay. the shop. Um, we got our barrel vices. We got our final scope level. Um, we have our comparators. Uh, we have some inserts, obviously, with those. And then uh, a newer side, well, it's still new, is the, the funnel kit. Okay. Um, we do have a couple of the funnel kits. And the, the good thing about the funnels is they, they use the module um, headspace comparators as, as okay. the insert to, to whatever cartridge you're trying to drop powder in. So, again, one-time buy. You don't have to unscrew them or anything. They pop in and out. And multi-use. Multi-use, yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So. And then, so, what... Like everybody's got a little bit of something different when it comes to their die. What is, what makes a sack die a sack die? So there's a few things that that I personally love about the dies. Okay. Um, I will tell you, and we've evolved obviously with the now we're sitting at the Gen Gen twos, Gen breaking into the Gen threes. Um, you know, traditionally we we set them up like a regular regular die with the the standard bushing and all that. Um, and our current die we're using now with the tapered shoulder bushing that we have. Um, we're, si- we're bumping the shoulder, size of the neck, and then with the expanding mandrel, we're decapping and expanding at the same time. Okay. So it's literally one stroke of the press, but you get all four steps completed. Wow. Um, once you set the die up, it comes with four 1,000 thick shims, and that's how you control your headspace. So okay. once you set the die up, you don't have to do the you know fine little guessing how much a thousandth right. of the, the, the turn is on the thread pitch. Um, you just put the shims in there, and what that allows it to do is it allows everything to t- stay concentric, uh, okay. Once the neck's coming out of the bushing, it passes it directly off to the mandrel while the top of the neck case mouth is still supported. So you don't have any concentric issues uh, with concentricity going in and out of the mandrel. Okay. Um, you can also opt for not the decapping pin with just a straight mandrel. 
Uh, we do have that option as well, but but overall, like, I don't know why you wouldn't. I never right. manual before until it became simple because I'm not a huge fan of reloading. Right. Um, it's just very time-consuming, and, and it's just not my favorite thing to do. So once I can do everything, in my opinion, why not? It's not okay. causing you any extra any extra work. Yeah, it's not an extra pull of the, the press handle. Correct. Now, with the cedar dies, um, we were just talking to some, some gentlemen over there. Um, the cedar's from 223 to, to 308. Um, you can we, we do make a different um, seating stem that you can all, but okay. I use the same one, 6 mil from 224 to 308. Um, so I don't change stems personally just because it, the, the, everything's the same, right? It doesn't, okay. it doesn't really bother, bother me. Um, but the, if you move it a thousandth, it's moving a thousandth. If you move it a half thousandth, it's moving a half thousandth. And I think that that's, that's a big thing. So a lot of people buy dies based on whatever cartridge you're shooting. Well, with our cedar, you can shoot literally 223 to 308. And with the, the sizing dies, um, whatever family you have that die in, mm-hmm. All you have to do to change, essentially, let's say calibers, is buy a new bushing. So, for okay. example, I, I talked about the 6x47 going to 22x47. Right. I can use the same die body. The only thing I'm changing is the mandrel and the bushing. So, okay. instead of buying a whole new die for, let's say, 80 or 100 bucks, I spend $25 on a bushing, and I, I would have to look and see exactly what the mandrel price is. But you, let's say $50, you know, to mm-hmm. 100, uh, 100 bucks to just change that, but still use the same die body. So right. it's less clutter on the bench. It's less, you know, if you're shooting multiple cartridge or multiple calibers in the same cartridge, if you will, um, it's just it's just more cost efficient. Right. It's like guys that are shrinking down six uh, five to twenty five Creed. Absolutely. Like, yep. Same thing with dashers. You know, yep. uh, Dan Ferris at the shop, the guy who, who machines our barrels. Um, he's just building a uh, twenty two dasher. So yeah, it's, I mean it's the same thing. You know, and it's just. Just less dies. No one wants a whole stack of dies on the table, you know. Right. So, or like you have a turret head that's got like one sizer, one right, one cedar, and then Absolutely. like you got multiple heads. Right. And yeah, it's just less cluttered. I think that um, you know our machining, we do it, we do everything in house. Um, the machining is just phenomenal on them. You very little lube. I mean, I've actually sized smaller like BR variants without lube. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't recommend that on a daily daily basis, but if you're in a hurry for say ten rounds to go file a barrel in, like you're you're not gonna stick it. Um, it's just they're just amazing. What what is your guys's coating? Because it's it's got a coating on your guys's your it's, stuff. Um, it's not like it's raw steel like some some no, of the other ones. No, so it's um oh geez. If you wouldn't ask me, I would have told you. Nitride. Nitrided. Yep, they're nitrided. Yep, just the same thing with our actions and all that stuff that we have. Everything okay. nitrided. Yep. And you said you had uh, some funnels here, and then you got something new that's that's on the desk that's that's pretty hot looking. Yeah. So right now we're working on a um, on an arbor press. Okay. Um, so we'll be able to do anything from two two three to three thirty eight Lapool on it. Um, there's only about ten of them in the world right now that okay. we're, we're still tinkering with. But I'll tell you, um, Dan and I, you know, for those of you that don't know, we we live together. Um, but he sized the he's he's seated about fifteen hundred bullets on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's he's always used an arbor press and i will tell you that it's very consistent it's very um it's really amazing to be honest with you there's a lot of stuff that that i um when it gets released we'll, we'll talk about more but you know it's it's 1000 increments on the dial and again we machine 100 percent of that in-house um you move it a thou it goes a thou it's it's um it's really it's really again going to cut down on having multiple dies multiple multiple things on your bench but you know, to get into the bench rest side of things and the guys that shoot PRS to have an, have an arbor die. 
And so with that, like, can you keep the same dye body and then just change the internals? So you can. So it's going to come with different stems. Um, it's going to come with three different stems. And there's some there's some collets in there for the the support the cartridge going up. Okay. Um, it will come with, I believe, four of those right now. Um, and again, we're still filling some stuff out. It's going to be right. a few months, probably about six months or so down the road. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some good things coming. And you said there's what ten of them in the world right now. Is everybody having? Is everybody? I mean. You've probably handed them off to some of your, your testers or guys internal to the shop, but is everybody having pretty solid luck with them? Or? A absolutely. So there's, um, there's, there's, two, there's two at my house. Um, there's some at, at the shop still, and then a couple of guys out West Havel. Okay. So a couple of the team guys. Okay. And so where is the shop located? The Short Action Customs is located in uh, Wellington, Ohio, northeastern okay. Ohio. Uh, we're kind of about 45 minutes south of Cleveland. Okay. Uh, um. And you guys said that you do gunsmithing there as well, right? We do. We uh, we do full custom builds, um, you know, blueprinting of actions, chamber jobs, threading. Um, if you can dream of it, they can do it. Okay. Um, and I purchased your guys' final scope level today, and you said you guys do scope leveling there as well, and then you guys have, like, a nice little 100-yard setup for your plumb bob. Could you kind of so explain the proper scope mounting process for us <laughs> so, so some of these guys can hear it so so at the shop we have uh, we have a stand that's probably say four and a half five foot tall uh, it's molded down to the concrete and we have our our scope level mounted to that um, very rock solid it doesn't move at all we always use uh, levels to make sure it hasn't changed since the last time we use it but on our we got a 900 yard range out back and at 100 yards we have um, kind of enclosed area with with a door on it and the lights and we have a, a zero target and a plumb bob in there. And once we once we mount the rings, we'll put the scope in there. We'll open up the doors, and that allows us to, to make sure your scope's level, you know, at 100 yards. And it takes maybe, once you have everything set up, maybe five minutes. You're literally just looking at it, making sure it's level and torquing everything down the spec. So there's no, there's no secret to it. There's no crazy anything. We've been doing it in our garages for years. We just right. have a tool that's going to assist you with it. And, you know, I've, I've done my personal, my match rifles, you know, inside the living room at, like, say, nine feet. With right. A, with a plumb bob and tape, you know, hanging from a, a ceiling fan. Yep. Um, and it, it works the same. But, you know, I just, there's something to be said that you can have, you know, very precision work done, um, you know, with mounting a scope precisely and a bubble level and not have to worry about it and know that it's good. Because I used to do it just like you probably. Yep. You know, laying down, like, I think the gun's level. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna tighten it up with my left hand while I'm looking through the, looking through <laughs> the crosshairs and hoping it's straight. And then, you know, come to find out someone else gets behind it, like, dude, your gun, your, your scope is crooked. Yeah. You know, I've done that before. So. So I'm pretty sure I got one, one of my scopes at the house is, is, is off a little bit, but that's. Now so, I've got the tool to make it right. So I'll tell you, like, put it on there, right? Level everything up there on there and put it on there and look and be like, oh man. Oh, I'm <laughs> oh, sure. Oh my it's, goodness, yeah, I, yeah. It's it's probably off a <laughs> a, a good bit. Um, so you guys you guys obviously have a gunsmithing facility. You make custom parts for the industry, um, custom dies for the industry, everything like that. And you guys have a shooting team. We do. So how many people are on your shooting team and like who are some of the who are some of those shooters so we have uh we have approximately nine ten people on the team um of course everybody knows allison zane um yep. out of ohio or, or uh, pennsylvania 
uh, myself and Dan Ferris, mm -hmm. um, who also works at the shop, Alan Smith, who's the, the COO at the shop, um, the, the two I see. Uh, we have Philip Vallejo out in uh, Wyoming, and then we have um, Solomon in Cal California. Matt Levine and Chris Tressler are both in uh, Arizona. And, um, yeah, so we cover all over the country and travel around and, and do our thing. Nice. And then we have Matt Steiner also out of uh, Ohio. Okay. Yep. So with a shooting team, like, I'm, I'm assuming the people that are centrally located to each other get together and shoot. But, like, do you guys have that one big match where everybody comes together we do. Once a so year and shoot? Every year. If you ever go to uh, MKM's uh, Vortex Vengeance match at, uh, uh, that Matt Steiner and Ken Sinoski and, and uh, Mark put on up there, um, you will see two full squads of the nothing but sack jerseys. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's kind of our yearly reunion. So I think Alan and I this year uh, and Brett, who, is, um, who also kind of works for the shop as well as the IT guy, um, I think we're going to fly out to the um, – I think it's the – California chaos or coastal chaos out in uh, California yeah, yeah, yeah. in October. We're going to try to go out there this year because they always come out east. And, and right. you know, myself and Dan travel out west. Uh, you know, Allison travels and, and Matt travels, but it, or, uh, yeah, Matt Steiner. But it's it's tough for everybody to, to travel that much, you know. Yeah. People, people have day jobs too. So fortunately for me, you know, I get the I get a little leeway with my job. So I get a absolutely I get to go um, get to go do the the cool things. But last year I shot in Washington, Arizona. Um, New Mexico, you know, I shoot a lot on the East Coast, obviously out here. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in Tennessee, I mean, everything was, everything was within driving distance or like a very short flight. So like Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, came in here up north. Um, so now that I'm a little up further up north in, in Ohio, uh, I don't get to go to the Alabamas and Texas right. anymore because, you know, with, with work and stuff like that, it's just hard to get away. Yep. So. Yeah, it's. I've basically been able to drive to everything mm -hmm. the last, like, three years yep. I've been shooting. Next year, I think I'm going to try and step on a plane Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and try it out. So I'll, I'll tell you, um, when I was first coming up in this game, um, I read an article um, that someone said who just so happens to be Philip Vallejo. And uh, it said, he said in there, can you really call yourself a national-level competitor, competitor if you never get on an airplane? And, you know, that made me think, like, mm -hmm. all the West Coast guys, they, at best, may only get to shoot three matches. Right. And they got to fly to all three matches. Yep. Um, to where on the East Coast here, I mean, you can hit – when I was living in Clarksville, man, I could hit seven different national matches in a four-hour driving period. Yeah. You know? So I could have throwaway matches and stuff. So, you know, going out West, a totally different ball game. But I'll tell you, I like it and I enjoy it because it's, it's challenging. Um, not that the wins out here aren't, but it's it's – it's a field match. Yeah, it's you know, different. You, you go to you go to the Arizona to Caltown, and man, it's it's mm -hmm. it's freaking hot. They had their match, I think, in September, and it's and still 110. Dude, degrees. it's like 112 degrees. Yeah, and it, mentally, I'm from Arizona. Yeah, I, I know. Like yeah, yeah. In Peoria, it's terrible. You mm -hmm. know, North Phoenix. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's awesome. So it's that kind of stuck with me, and I, I like to travel and make trips out of it. I'm gonna so. see if I can shoot one of the California and then New York. So I think we're going to New York too this year. Yeah. I think we're going. I, I know. So Dan and I, Dan and I travel a lot and um, together. And um, Alan's not going to be traveling too much. He's getting to have a have a baby. I think she's doing like nine days. So he won't be traveling too much this year. But they're having they're having their first child. So that's awesome. Okay. So last two questions. One, what would you recommend for a first time flyer to a match? 
first time flyer to a match is I would definitely read and print off the um, the guidelines that carry a firearm. Okay. Um, I will tell you, I've never personally had an issue, and it's to the point now to where it's very simple. You just walk in, you can clear it. Make sure you have locks, and I would also encourage you not to use TSA locks. Because yeah, then, I would not. Yeah, so don't use TSA locks. Um, I've never had my ammo weighed. However, that doesn't say that they're not going to weigh it, you yep. know. Um, but they always ask, is it 11 pounds or less? And absolutely. And it's yep. in the proper packaging, you know. Um, but double check your carry on because I carry on my binos and I carry on my range bag. So right. double check your carry on to make sure that you don't have any live rounds or anything going through there. And then whatever support bag, you know, game changers, uh, right. uh, tater tots, Maxville stuff from, from WeBad. Um, make sure you carry them. I carry them in because I've had one cut before. Because on the scanner, that sand looks like it's organic a substance. weird material, yeah. And they'll every time. So just throw it out and back. Here's it's a shooting bag. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to test it. And I already know that, so I'll just wait over there. Yeah. Um, but it's not. Don't be afraid to fly on an airplane. Don't be afraid to fly with a with a firearm. And then what would uh, what would you say to the new shooter? Like the new shooter, or like scratch that. What would you say to the new reloader? when it comes to like purchasing stuff to reload like obviously you work at a company that sells reloading com uh reloading products but mm -hmm. like getting into reloading we probably bought way more stuff than we actually needed absolutely so i would i would get with buddies if you're if you have the opportunity to get with buddies that have different brands or that have been doing it for a while i would get their opinion on it before because just like you said I've, I've bought a lot of stuff that i'm like mm, didn't really need this or you're trying to cut corners and saving money and end up buying twice the amount. So um, if you can test it out, cool. But I will tell you um, that in this business, in this game, if you're spending thousands of dollars in your weapon system and then thousands or not, yeah, depending on if you're flying, thousands of dollars on traveling, mm -hmm. why are we going to cut corners on our reloading products? That's probably arguably one of the most second most important part besides our, our gun, you know, and our, our optic. Um, why are we cutting corners on the cheapest reloading products we can find? And not saying that, you know, other brands are, are not good. Not saying that at all. But I will tell you that every brand has its place. And someone who is reloading, you know, 100 rounds a year for hunting and they only shoot a pie plate at 150 yards is, is okay with the lower budget stuff to where right. our stuff is repeatedly over 300 rounds to the one ten thousandths of an inch you know um so i would do your research if you can get your hands on it and play with it before uh i mean heck man you look look me up on facebook and i'll send you my personal dial and let you play with it send it back to me and we'll if you like it you like it if you don't you don't um but we'll get you taken care of if that's something the, the route that you want to go awesome sweet any last minute things you want to throw out there uh just appreciate some shout outs for like short action customs um manners composite stocks uh, Trigger Tech, uh, Diamonds, Collis, Swarovski, um, Hawk Hill Barrels, and, and I appreciate you for giving me some opportunity to talk. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. All right, folks, we're back, and we have Forrester Products with us, and we have Scott Kempel. Scott Kimball from Forrester Products. He's going to tell us a little bit about Forrester products in general. I actually just picked up a Forrester press from Josh Showalter who brought it down here for me. So I'm excited to get it back to the house and get everything set up on it and get it rocking and rolling. But I figured 
as a as a vendor here at the the call us match at K&M figured we'd bring on some of the some of the match supporters some of the sponsors of the of the prize table give them an opportunity to talk about their products yeah appreciate it you know Forrester's been around a long time we're a, we're an old company we've been in the same factory building since the 1950s up in a oh, wow. small town in Lanark Illinois um, we just really focus on making quality reloading the products that are really aimed towards this market so okay um, we just came out with some full-length bushing dies that we think are going to be really popular. Okay. You know, our, our Forrester Coax Press that you got, that's one of our flagship things that we've been just... That's been around the block for a while, Yeah, right? have, have never been able to make enough of, but uh, well, have, have good stock now. So I got, I got lucky and I snagged one. So what makes a Forrester Press different than a, a traditional press? Um, because it does look a little bit different than, a, nor than sure. a normal press. Sure. Yeah, you've got just a lot of, uh, like, float advantage in there. So rather than your die screwing in and you're being kind of regulated by how does that uh, thread line up with the thread that was machined there. Okay. You let that die line itself up with the case. And then okay. rather than, like, a fixed shell holder, it's a spring-loaded jaw system that allows that to float up in a line. So it's main goals are leverage and alignment and okay so i'm not having to buy multiple like um turret heads or or extra extra shell holders for every different size that i'm loading for it's literally like two two small screws turn them out if i'm using you know a small small diameter case or a large diameter case and there's my shell holder right there right right so exactly don't need don't need shell holders for, for, for loading anymore, and then it's not like I'm rotating the the head of the turret press anymore. It, exactly. So you do, you've got that consistency of the same stop each time, not not that, you know, uh, unpredictability of that turret head. Okay. Um, and, and when you slide a die in and slide it out, that lock ring is set and fixed rather okay. than screwing it in and out. So to, it's to, not going to change. The next time you go to load and slide it, and it's going to size the same way it did before. Okay. Is there um, pretty tight tolerances in that in that slot for those those dies to go in there? So there's not a lot of up and down movement yeah, in there it, as well. Yeah, it's fairly tight, but but truly, that's once you bring that press down to its stop and your die, you know, you can grab that die all day, and it's going to bottom out against the top. So okay. it's going to not move beyond that top portion. We'd, we'd almost rather have it be a little looser than too tight in there okay. and let it let it float and find center. Okay. Okay. And then so you've got the the Forester, that, that, that press. You just said you came out with some new bushing dies. What else is – what other Forester products are there? I saw there was a, a priming system out on the table. Yeah. Yep, we've got a, a – kind of a bench-mounted primer system, so okay. rather than your hand-mounted ones. Um, and then the it's, it's hard to describe over, but the, the primers lay different than most, so it, okay. it's like more horizontally fed rather than that vertically fed. Than gravity fed, or Would, vertical gravity fed. Right, right. Um, yeah, because right now I'm priming everything by hand, and I'm like, like, this isn't bad, but 500 rounds later, like, your yep. hand's getting pretty pretty worn out versus if it's a bench one i'm assuming it's got a press down lever right. for the for the actual seating process right. and so when you're doing that by hand and you hit that 500 one then you're tired 
you know, is that one as consistently deep as that first one you did? Yeah, exactly. Pro probably not. So that the bench, you know, that fatigue factor is something that is an advantage there for okay. that one. And you said you you you've got the the dies. Are those? Um, have you done dies in the past? Yes. As well. Yep. So Forster's done dies for a long, long time. Um, we have those chambered style cedar dies that are really popular that okay. support that case while it's being seeded. And at the very top of that chamber, there's a bullet channel that's machined to be just half a thousandth over bullet diameter. Oh, wow. And that contains not only your bullet, but your seating stem. So you know those two are in line with each other, supported, um, and, and seating consistently. Okay. Um, what, what major advantages do you find having this... Uh, this Forester press over like a traditional ram press. What do you see as your major advantages? Yeah, I'd say that the die change is, as far as single stage is, is pretty unmatched. Um, yeah. And then you've got just an incredible amount of leverage. So when you get into some of those larger calibers, okay. um, that's just a, that's a big advantage. And, and, you know, compared to some of the other single stages out there, we're, we're all American made. The castings come from Galena, Illinois. We paint them in, Freeport, Illinois, and we machine okay. them in Lanark, Illinois. So it's okay. it's all all made out of our own factory, which which helps us control the quality and things. Quality too. control for sure. Right. Um, do you have different sizes of presses for somebody that wants to um, have that have that leverage, but is loading on like sure. a larger larger case? I've got friends that are doing like. The ELR stuff, they're yep. doing like 375 shy tacks and, yeah. and 408 Barretts and things like that. Yep. So as we're talking today, we don't. Uh, we did okay. kind of tease it at SHOT Show. We're coming out with the Forrester Coax XL, Okay. Um, which is basically just a blown-up version of that, but it'll okay. accept the inch and a quarter dies, oh, wow. um, which Forrester's hoping to bring out along with it. Probably end of July, we'll have that press available Oh wow. Okay. Um, for market. So it'll have the same jaw system, same slide in, slide out. Um, the one nice thing is it'll have another adapted ring so you can still use your 7 8 dies. So if you okay. are doing a 338 Lapua, already have dies, they'll adapt right into it. So Okay. That's awesome. So end of July time frame is when we're expecting that, that yep. press to be at least online for, for viewing and, and, and sale and then hopefully rolling the dies out yeah. there with it or shortly after. And like you mentioned, it's really focused on that ELR market. Right. It, it will do 50 BMG. Okay. Um, that's that's not our main focus. Our main focus is those ELR guys and, right. and supporting that. Because you still have the 50 cal matches in, you do. in um, wherever they've got the range. Yep. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it. I'm excited to do it. I'm probably going to do all of my all of my sizing and, and – all of my um, seating on it. Just it looks like it's going to be a little bit better suited for for what I'm doing because I'm doing you know 250, 300, yeah. uh, 300 rounds at a time. And if I don't have to continually like try and slip, get something to slip inside of a of a shell casing yep. or or a shell holder, if I can just bam, 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 and everything stays tight and true, like right. I think it's going to be my no, my new go to press for my my dedicated calibers because I have a bunch of different calibers that I shoot like for PRS I'm shooting uh, BR but like my wife when she comes out and shoots she likes shooting but she doesn't like the larger recoil yeah. so she's running like my 223 
or something like that, or if I'm going out and like really working on fundamentals and I just want to go out with the boys, I'll take a 308 because yeah. everybody's got 308 ammo. Nobody's yep. got Dasher or BR ammo. Yeah. Like if we go to the range yeah. with the with the guys, I'll generally take like my my 308 that everybody's got. Yeah, and let let them just change the die out and not worry about your it, BR getting jacked up just for your exactly. hundred yard plinking ammo then too. And so. and also with this, like this is almost like you could do a range setup with this versus oh, like. Yeah a giant t7 or something like that like yep it's got to be hard mounted like you've got that one on a little a tiny little base over there little wooden base and like you can rock and roll and do load development right there at the range yeah we've definitely seen a lot a lot of them c clamp to to you know <laughs> tailgates, tailgates and things so it's you don't need much there to make that happen doing so. it right awesome so um i kind of already asked the question but is there anything else coming out is there anything in development or sneak peeks you can give us as far as uh forester products like coming out in the in the in the near future that are geared towards this market yeah. or the elr market because i do got i do have i do have listeners that are in that elr market yeah i mean the the inch and a quarter dies will be the big thing coming okay. sometime i don't know that we're going to get them timed up jived up with that xl press but there's right there's good dies out there already, mm -hmm. so that's why we're not really holding back to try right. to get that press out. You know, some other popular things we've had that came out fairly recently were like our neck tension gauges. Okay. They're like a stepped pin gauge in thousands increments. Okay. So okay. So then we have them on a, like a screwdriver handle, so you go to slide them in the case neck, and then the further down the gauge goes, it tells you right where that neck tension is. Right where the neck. Okay, that's interesting. Yep. That's and super cool. Our AccuRings are really popular. Um, okay. They're laser marked. So that you can adjust your headspace in thousands increments, and by oh wow, incorporating those onto that full-length bushing die, um, it's going to make that full-length bushing die really unique. That we've laser marked lines down vertically down the die. Okay. So with that accuring, when you're setting headspace, you've got that thousands increment adjustment, which you see in a lot of other dies. Right. Um, but uh, this one we've done it really cost-effective. So you're probably yeah. end up buying a whole die set for the price of what some of those sizers are. Right. Okay. Awesome. So you've got a, a line marked all the way down the die, and then you've got the, the die ring, and just it's lasered on there so you can just make all your quick adjustments exactly. super easy. That's exactly. awesome. Yep. That's a super good idea. Man. Yeah. The engineers that think this stuff up, I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, I never have these, like, <laughs> ideas. I'm yeah. not in that industry, but, like, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's no, super cool. I'm sure you'd come up with it if you sat down <laughs> and that's what you did all day was look yeah. at reloading dies. You'd figure it out. <laughs> I've I've come up with other ways to do do things in my in in my job, but yeah, you can't really bring that to the civilian market. <laughs> no. Not without getting in trouble. Yeah. But um, Sweet. Is there any uh, any last minute things you want to want to put out there? Are you guys shooting this weekend? We're, we're not shooting this weekend. You know, Forrester had always had a capacity problem. We're a small shop, and, right. and now we've just kind of injected some life into it. So we're just kind of starting to get our toes dipped into the okay. You know, PS, PRS market actually coming out supporting them, even okay. though a lot have been using it. So we, okay. we hope to hope to see you guys at a lot more of these. So. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I I haven't been. At a at like a train up day in quite some time because I usually use Friday as my my travel day. Yeah. Um. So I don't get to the train up, but I was like, no, I haven't shot here before. I should probably like check out some of the props or whatever. So I came in last night and to see like we've got 
six, seven companies here, all with tables or reps or, or product. Like, it's cool to see. It's cool to see that it's it's coming back to that group and oh, family environment yeah. and almost like a little demo show. No, and I think every every manufacturer in this industry had the same problem the last few years, trying to keep yep. up and things. It's just nice to kind of get back to yeah. a little bit more normalcy and and uh, see see people face to face a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, sir, and we uh, we look forward to seeing your guys's seeing your guys's product out at more shows and or more events. And if I got any questions on mine, I'm definitely going to be giving you a call. Yeah, please do. Nope, appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yep, thank you. All right, folks, I was able to grab another vendor that's out here that's got a booth, and we all know and love these guys. It's Leopold Optics. Am I saying that right? It is it's, Leopold, yes. It's Leopold or Leopold? It's not Leopold. It's okay. Leopold. Leopold. Yeah. All right, Leopold Optics, and we have Brad Wright. Brad Wright from Leupold, and we're just going to kind of shoot the shit and have a good time. So how did you get involved with with Leupold? I actually uh, met Nick Kitlicka, um, who's our shooting sports marketing manager, um, at Gap Grind in, I guess it was 2020. Um, We were in the same squad, and uh, we got backed up, which doesn't happen here at K&M ever, but somehow we got backed up, and... We're just hanging down by the uh, Connex and got chatting about work and stuff. I didn't even realize he was with Leupold at the time. And I was like, hey, man, you know, he asked me what, what I did. And I was in sales. Um, and uh, then he asked me, and then I asked him, you know, hey, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm a shooting sports marketing manager, you know, for Leupold. And I'm like, is that how, how does that work? How's that even a thing? Um, anyway, it just, man, Planets Aligned, uh, they used to go through a rep group. So, okay. like, they would have, you know, Hornady and Weatherby and Leupold, a whole bunch of different lines. Uh, and then we just – they made a, a corporate decision to get away from that and, and to bring all their salespeople in-house. Okay. And that happened right there at Gap Grind, basically, um, the same time frame. So, uh, yeah, Nick was like, man, you got the background, you love to shoot, you should apply. And I just got super lucky. So. Okay. Um, so, you were already a shooter before you, yeah, you went to Leupold. Yep. Okay. Do you find that typical in the sales in the sales world, where the person like knows about the product before they start selling the product? Not in not in the firearms industry, actually, <laughs> um, which is super weird. That's one of the, the weird things um, that I kind of figured out, you know, working working and getting into the industry because I was outside the industry. Um, they there's a lot of knowledge in, in the industry, you know, like as far as like when they get in, they learn the different mm-hmm. products and stuff. But you know, a lot of them aren't aren't big shooters there are some for sure you know but um yourself included yeah but not not i would say most of them aren't you know they don't right. they don't they shoot at trainings or they'll shoot at um uh, you know work vendor event, days yeah vendor days work yeah, events things sure. like that but like be true shooters they're they're not which is which is kind of you know i found weird you know because i was super nerd when it comes to shooting and then you know i'm like how do you get in there, you know, and that kind of thing. And then when I get in there, I'm like, oh, I'm like one of the guys that shoots a lot, you know. Right. We have we have quite a few. Like there's a guy out in um, uh, Josh Andrews in California. He shoots a bunch of NRL hunter matches. You know, Nick Kitlicka shoots a bunch. Snodgrass shoots a bunch of hunter matches. So, you know, there's a, there's a few of us that, that really, you know, this is our passion basically. And right. it just so happens that we get to do work too. Exactly. So, so you're here – working air quotations but are you shooting this weekend as absolutely, well absolutely yeah see there you go yeah i would be shooting this regardless of whether i was working or not so. okay um 
Now, you guys have, like, Louisville is a pretty old company. One of my first, like, magnified scopes was, like, a one to four, or one to four and a half, or something like that. And you yep. used to be able to, like, pick which reticle you wanted in it. And if you bought it from a store, you could send it back and yep. pay the difference to have a different reticle put in. So, like, I've had, like, some scopes in the past that were Louisville, but now you guys, like, it seems that you guys like started in the hunting industry and now you've really dove into that tactical competition side, not only with like, like scoped optics, but also like red dots and everything like that. Like you guys have a bunch of different lines. What are some of you guys' like main product lines when it comes to, to hunting and, and, and shooting sports? Yeah. So uh, just going back, we are, we are a very old company. So we started in 1907. Um, That's an was, old company. Yeah, we've been around. Like, we didn't start just yesterday. And um, so we started in surveying equipment. Um, okay. And then uh, one of the one of the owners and founder, family members um, basically went on a hunt and his scope fogged up, the story goes, right? And he's like, well, I can build one better than, better than, than this. this. And so they did, right? Um, it was like in 47, I think, um, we started making actual rifle scopes. Um, and so our heritage is hunting. Right. Okay, that's that's basically where our, where our heritage comes from, um, and then of course we get into military contracts, mm -hmm. doing stuff for the military specifically and that kind of stuff, and then of course then the shooting scene kind of starts to take off, and historically, like I don't know, I'd probably say I'll get this wrong, but you know, 10, 20 years ago they were using military scopes for PRS basically. Right trimmers and h Mill dots. Mill dots. You know, yeah, it started mill dots and goes into the other stuff. Um, and then now we're seeing a kind of shift, right, where, where the PRS and NRL and, and these competition uh, deals are driving military stuff. Um, so there's a little bit of a shift, and, and, of course, it's a huge market that, you know, we want to take, you know, go to take after. And, and um, so anyway, we started doing that. That's how the PR2 came around. And we're starting to bring, you know, new – um, new and different products to market for this for this you know market segment for this sport this, yeah this so you've got binos you've got spotters you've got red dots laser range finders you got binos with uh, mill reticles in them you've obviously got rifle scopes do you make like scout scopes for Say like a forty-five seventy, like we, yeah, we do make some uh, long hour relief um, scopes. Uh, we're not. I don't. I can't remember if we've interlifed some of those uh, scout scopes or not. But we do from time to time, like like there's a handgun scope, for example, right? Um, stuff like that. that we'll Guys that especially. are shooting like their four sixty, like hand yeah. cannons and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll do some some stuff like that. Um, you know, the bulk of our business, uh, as far on the hunting side, is in the like. VX Freedom, you know, uh, kind of entry-level uh, optic all the way up to the VX6. Um, that's kind of where where our, our hunting line is. Okay. And then uh, the Mark V would be our competition and military. Military. And, yeah. And Some of the old, like, uh, Mark VI, Mark IVs, Mark VIIs, um, old optical system design, and uh, they're kind of transitioning to the Mark V now. Okay. So. Now, your Mark V, you've got it in a 5 to 25 mm -hmm. and a 7 to 35. Yep. And then you guys just came out with the 2 to 10. 2 to 10. We have it in 3.6 to 18 as well. 3.6 to 18 as well. Okay. So, 
you've had those three, and then you kind of went into this two to ten realm. Yep. What what application are you seeing that thing be used in? I mean, you obviously you don't go and spend hundreds of thousands in R and D and development and everything like that if there's not a purpose. So, what purpose is that scope serving? Yeah. So that's that's more of like a DMR um, LPVO scope. Um, you know, it's basically the same. Everything from the objective back is the same as all the rest of the Mark V. So it's a battle-proven, you know, proofed-out scope that, that, you know, the internals are the same, the adjustments are the same. It has a, uh, a side focus or parallax uh, adjustment, which a lot of LPVOs don't have. Right. Um, so that, that gives it an advantage, especially okay. with observation and, and the longer range and stuff. So, um and the trend now is a lot of people are using, you know, uh, red dots. We say performance red dots, but um, red dots at like the 12 o'clock or the, or the um, like at a 45. 45 off the right, yeah. Because they're using that as their, like, say, one power. You know, most LPVOs aren't true one power. Even though they say right. one, they're not. Um, and so they're finding it faster and everything like that. If you're going to use it on that one power, basically use that dot. Um, so, like, that's the way I have it set it up. On the on the table is with a 12 o'clock red dot. Um, so if you if you are in that stack, you know, in a military application, right? You can you can work that problem with your dot, and then if you got to use it as a DMR roll and stretch it out, you have that up to 10 power capability. Yeah. Okay. And with that, um, I was looking at it on the table a little earlier. Is that reticle illuminated as well? Yeah, it comes in it comes in illuminated as well. So we okay. have it in a in a TMR, which is a tactical milling reticle. It's half mil uh, increments, um, and that that does come illuminated. And then right now we have it in a PR1 MOA. Oh wow! Um, and then we do have some reticles coming. I don't know when they're going to come. Right. Uh, but different, you know, more more, uh, you know, LPVO like you style, see, yeah. stylish, yeah. Reticles. Like a like a half circle and then a dot in the center with yeah. some hold hold under hashes and it'll I'm sure it'll be something I'm I'm not an optical engineer and, and not the tactical uh, product line manager but he's got he's got some stuff I'm sure in the works that's okay. that's going to be something similar um, you know just from from what I hear I don't I don't know any specifics but yeah okay awesome and you guys have pistol pistol optics as yep. well you guys have one on the table. Um, the demo table behind us, it's the... Uh, Delta Point Micro. Okay. Yep, and so that was developed. It's kind of a different um, uh, performance red dot in that um, it's not a tombstone style. It's a, it's an enclosed emitter. Um, but the difference in the micro is that you don't have to mill your slide. So okay. there's millions of pistols out there um, right now that aren't milled, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the new trend, or not the new, new trend, but the trend in, in pistols optics or pistols is to go with optics um, with red dots uh, not only in the civilian world but mill le um, yep. is going that way out well you have a ton of slides out there that aren't milled so what do you do with those right um, you either got to go get up have them milled or you got to get by another slide so the micro basically you drive your your rear sight post out and it, there's a plate that slides in uh, in that um, slot and it basically torques down with two screws uh, you center it up, you know, tighten it down, and then um, the way you start is slave it to your to your front sight post, and then you you zero it from there, and then you're good to go. Um, it's it's pretty cool, you know. You can, if you wanted to sell that pistol, you take that sight off, push the old push the old one in, you're good to go. Right? Nice. It's like the barrier to, barrier to entry is super low, 
and then your presentation with that pistol is the same because the the sight picture is the same as your iron sights. Okay. So, so it's not it's getting, not higher up. It's still right. Right. Because yeah. you're slaving that dot to the front sight to start off with. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. You, you guys are a super old company. You're coming online and you're staying relevant with newer products. Like I would say that you guys are one of the more predominant optics on the line, which says something about the product that you guys do have. Um, but also you guys are on like every single prize table ever. Like your guys is, I would call it your marketing budget. I, I'm not in your world, so I don't know, but I'm assuming it's a marketing budget. Your marketing budget has to be huge. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I mean, there's a there's a, uh, a, a form or figure, you know, to come up with whatever that number is. I'm not in marketing, I'm in sales, but um, the way I understand it, right, there's there's a, for whatever your sales are, there's a there's a budget. There's a there's amount you should be spending in marketing, right? Okay. Um, what you see is, is just a, a small portion of that, right? Cause right. We have the hunting side, we've got print, all this kind of stuff, but... You know, we see the um, the PRS, the NRL, the competition scene is like super vital, right? And and um, you know, the whole support those that support you thing, right? You know, I mean, we want to support this community. Um, this, I, I believe personally, that this community um, that trickle down effect, right? Like it's driving. So much stuff. We're seeing it in the military, right? We're seeing it. Um, I mean, because you have people here from almost every walk of life. Yeah. You got military dudes. You got hunters. You got law enforcement dudes. Yep. Like, if they see a product that they like, they're going to go and say, hey, we should be we should be taking a look at this for future acquisitions. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and we've seen guys that, like, you know, they come all the time. Anytime I set up a table, you know, they'll come up and be like, man, I grew up shooting a gold ring. Like, I grew up shooting the loop that's all we had is loopholes and like now i've always wanted to have that product you know for the competition world or the tactical world in the loophole but before you know we either didn't have the reticle or we just didn't have the presence and um you know i give all the credit to, to nick kitlica and, and then john snodgrass for for developing mark five but um to really pushing us into the space and, and we we do have a really good hold here now, and it's just a matter of keeping you know, keeping keep, keeping our foot on the gas and yeah, and, and keep staying here. So yeah, but I don't think I've been to a, a two day prize table. And granted, I, I've only been shooting two days this year, but I don't think I've been to a two day that didn't have like a five to two <laughs> a, uh, uh, a Mark Five binos, some type of spotter, um, all the different clamps like. I run your guys' little, I call it the vice grip, the yeah, the mono clamp. Like that thing is, that thing is clutch. Comes in super handy yep. for mounting up my binos or, or my laser rangefinder. But without telling us what's in the future, like what is something that you've heard from the market, like from the shooter, from the hunter, from the military law enforcement guy? that you've kind of picked up on and they're like, okay, maybe we need to look at this. Is there anything like that that you guys have heard of? I mean, I know you're a sales guy, yeah, but. No, there's a, well, there's a ton of stuff coming that I, I can't talk about. It's, right. It's going to be really awesome. I mean, um, I'm super excited about SHOT Show um, 24. Okay. And then SHOT Show 25 is going to be even better. Um, okay. 
in this world, we have a lot of stuff coming at the end of this year and first next year, next year um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, that I think is going to take us next step. Um, and they're constantly looking at, at different things. Like, you know, I'll, I'll use the, the speed dial, uh, for example, the competition speed dial. Um, that was something that me and Adam Peeney came up with at Callis Match, jeez, uh, uh, two, uh, three years ago, whenever it was. Um, and it was he had the idea and basically said, you know, hey, this is what I want. And, and, I, and he didn't explain it exactly how it, how it is now, but I got what he was going for. And I was like, yeah, man, that makes total sense. As a shooter, we should do that. You know, and I got one of the guys in the back to kind of do it on the DL, right, and show up to a match. And, dude, people were, like, flipping over it because it basically took the third rev off the, off the dial and made the first revolution numbers, which is where we operate in. Right. Know? Um like triple the size and move the second rev numbers to the third rev location. It's super simple. Like it's all it is is changing how we laser that dial, um, but it fits this need. Right. And then those guys are like, oh man, loophole's listening to the shooters, right? Okay. They're listening to the shooters and they're making changes, and, and that's kind of the momentum I think we're seeing. Um, there's some there's some things coming that that is in that same you know same ballpark same ballpark right. Um, and I think it's going to continue that way. You know, they're, they're seeing how NRL Hunter, for example, um, is driving that hunting market. Okay. We're super strong, but we also need to innovate there too. It's not just right. not just the pure competition world. So um, it's really, really exciting. The, the, the management uh, team at Loophold is, is uh, really awesome, and, they're, and they want to do better and strive to do better and come up with new things, and, and I'm super excited about the years to come. So like with with the NRL Hunter like you see the the Mark V with some of the some of the reticle options that you have and it is more of a like a military or like a PRS shooting event not necessarily um, your 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 standard hunting reticle but mm-hmm. I still saw tons of Mark Fives out there I mean yep. Kyle Lamb's running a Mark V yep and yeah, Kyle's my dude. He slayed it. Yep. Um, yeah, he's fallen in love with this whole competition scene. Yeah. You know, he's, like, he grew up doing, you know, pistol carving, like, competitions and stuff. And, and um, last year he just decided, hey, man, I want to shoot this this thing called PRS or NRL. And we shot uh, first match together. And he was my Gapgron partner partner last year. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah, like, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime yeah. opportunity. Holy cow. Yeah, it was really cool. And, and, and that's a perfect example of, like, man, dude's – been in the military, right? Did some awesome things. Um, Did some uh, crazy things. Crazy thing. I mean, you know, I mean, he's a living legend. Um, done it, like he says. You know, I was in the army. I did a few things. Yeah. Okay. He's, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, he's hunt. He's hunted all his life, and then he comes out here, right? And and um, I'm just a mid pack nobody, whatever. But you know, showing him a few things like how we do things, and he's like, man, dude, we've been doing this the wrong for so long, you know. And and it's just these minor little things. But it's made him a better hunter and a better shooter. And coming from a guy like that who has done some insane stuff with a, with a yeah. weapon, like, that's pretty cool, you know. And, and um, But we're seeing that, like, that progression. Um, and a lot of these guys are showing up with NRL, NRL Hunter specifically. is like they're like, hey, I just want to be a better hunter. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't want to be, like, number one PRS shooter or whatever. Like, they just want to be able to – you know, shoot an animal at long distance and feel confident with it. And so it has that, that crossover, which is perfect for us because that's where, like, our original heritage is. You right. Know? So 
and they're seeing that as driving the market. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I shot the I shot the NRL hunter in Louisiana, and I'm trying real hard to make the one in Oklahoma yeah. that Robert's also putting on. Um, gonna change a few things up <laughs> when I go if I go this time, because um, all I've ever shot was was the PRS style stuff. I've never done a, a, a hunter match before, and honestly, I didn't really I. Like, I grew up in Arizona, so, like, the only hunting I really did was with a fishing pole or, like, some doves every once in a while. Like, I never – like, that wasn't my family's gig. So, like, I've still never deer hunted. I've I've coyote hunted, like, and took a couple coyotes, but you're not, like, field dressed. So, like, that's still all brand-new stuff to me. But, like, I mean, I showed up last night and pulled a striper out of the pond last night on a a topwater rig. But, like – yeah, like being able to like find range and engage something. Yep. Like that's a that's a valuable a valuable tool. Yeah, it's super cool. You know, they I really like the NRL Hunter. They they have their 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 space and like their own um, uh, uh, market now. It's like you know segmented. Like PRS is more like race gun. You know, yep. like extreme marksmanship and stuff. And like you got that NRL deal. That's like. You know, fine range, range and gauge, gear management, different scenarios, blind stages. It's, it's really cool, and, and I love it because, like, both can operate in the same space and yep. not, you know, they have their own their own deal. Um, one thing I'll say about on the NRL Hunter side that one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of Mark 5s in the NRL Hunter is that there's a weight restriction. So, okay. So you have the light guns, right, that's 12 pounds. Um, if you're shooting factory, they have to be 12 pounds as well, and then heavy is 16 pounds. Well, the Mark V, or sorry, all loophole scopes in their class are going to be the lightest in their class. Okay. Um, and that so that plays into the fact for NRL Hunter. Okay. Um, and it's all about how we manufacture our scopes. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what what is making them tend to trend on the lighter side? Yeah, so all aluminum internals. Okay. Um, so aluminum is, is super hard to machine. Um, yes. So if you look at a cutaway and, and how – the, the scope is actually put together. Um, basically, the lenses are held together, which makes it unique for us, um, is that they're held in by, I don't technically know what it's called because I'm not an optical It's engineer. a thingamabob. It, it's basically like a castle nut. So, okay. So there is an actual nut that holds the lens in place instead okay. of glue and so forth. Um, well, those threads to machine that, to, to get that to mount up, uh, to mate up, is, is really hard to do. But... Um, we do that so that the, the, the scope weighs less, and if it weighs less, then it can handle recoil uh, more efficiently, if that makes sense, right? Okay. So there's less mass to move. Right. Okay. And um, Less mass under recoil. Right, right, because, I mean, every time you shoot, right, that, that scope's taking a hitting, you know, yep. hit, right? So um, the less it weighs, the, the less it's going to get beat up. Um, and, th- and that plays in the hand of, of, the, of the NRL Hunter. Um, the rest of the uh, manufacturers um, will use like brass and bronze and, and, mm-hmm. and easily machined components, but they weigh more. Okay. So we kind of take the load, uh, the road less traveled, and, and it's harder to do it, but it, we have uh, we get a better product. Okay. You know, so. And you're coming like you're coming in at a great price point. We are. Like, we were me and somebody else were kind of talking about that um, sidebar at the table, like. For twenty one hundred bucks, yep. 
how can you really like twenty five hundred or twenty one hundred bucks for a, the five to twenty five? I don't know what the what's a hundred bucks more for the seven to thirty five. A hundred bucks more, so yeah. twenty two hundred bucks for a seven to thirty five. Like you're not touching any other scope, no. like retail for that price. Yeah, I, I mean the value that you get in a Mark Five um, is second to none. I mean there's there's nobody that can touch us with the value. Um, you know. It's the same scope that that goes overseas, um, you know, and and deploys with the, with our with our men and women overseas. It's the same scope that we're competing with out here. It's just a different reticle. That's all yep. it is. There's there's no other change in the system, right? You know, um, other than maybe it's FDE and it has like a marking on the side, but that's it. Yeah. Um, so you get you get the rugged reliability of it at that economical price, right? We're not sacrificing anything. This whole thing, like, well, it costs more, it must be better. It's just not true. Right. right? Um, I mean, honestly, when I first started, I was like, hey, man, this is, this is underpriced for what we get. Like, I mean, you're getting so much value. It's crazy, right. you know. I mean, there's some scopes out there you could buy two Mark Fives for one of their scopes. And yes. With the mounts, you know, and it's like, wow. Yes. Um, so I think it's untouchable. I'm biased. I work for the company. I mean, I yeah. It, but – but it's also American. But it's an honest bias opinion. It is honest, right? Um, it also is American-made, right? Anything that goes on a on a gun um, comes from our facility in Beaverton, Oregon. So we have 750 employees, roughly, um, in Beaverton, Oregon, and raw aluminum, you know, comes in and, and bar stock and, and scopes go out the front. So the only things we don't make in-house. Um, set screws and O-rings and, and the actual glass. Right. Um, but, but all the housings and like, yep. all the all every the every internal like you can go, you come to the factory, you walk to a CNC, and you can literally pick up the different components to make a scope. Wow! Like right there. That's crazy. Yep. So, <laughs> I won't ask that. That's mean. Um, <laughs> so, is it? Is it easy to sell these scopes? Like, as a sales rep, like, I don't know who you're selling to or quantities or, like, if you're doing big box stores or whatever, but, like, is it, like, does the, I, obviously, I, my opinion, the product stands on its own. I, but I, like, I agree with you. Like, it should be pretty easy to sell when the product stands on its own. It is easy to, I guess I'll put it this way. It's easy to sell the scope to people who want to listen. Okay. Okay. I mean, when you lay it out, when I lay it out for my, my customers and I handle, um, you know, independent retailers, uh, I do handle some, some big box stores um, at the local level, not the corporate level, but the local level. Um, and it's when you lay it out there, you do have that, you know, well, why is there another scope even on the market? You know, right. I mean, not to be arrogant or anything, there's so much value, there's so much good things that Loophole has going for it that. It should sell itself, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, but at the same time, there's marketing and YouTube and the interwebs yep. and snipers hide and you know, you ask anybody anything on the internet and they're going to tell you a million different answers. Right. And probably none of them are right. Um, so, yes and no. It is easy to sell, um, but it's not because there's people have all their own opinions on what's the greatest newest thing. Um, and you know, we're not going to chase. Uh, you know these things. You know we'll, we'll we will do things that matter, like that that are gonna 
you know, make this make make it better. Like we're going to change to make things better. Whatever, we're not going to change it just because it's a fad or it's a new greatest thing. Right. Um, but we have. I mean, we have to keep up with the times, right? But, right. But Do I think you, we've shown that. Like when you said uh, change things like to make them better, it kind of made me think. Like the PR two is kind of a radical change yeah. in reticles, and I say that because we went from you know your two tenths mark lines to like two and a quarter. So it almost felt like we were taking that step back into like MOA where it's yep. 0.25 MOA, half MOA, three quarter. Like, yep. but honestly, I really like, I really like that red, the PR2 reticle. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm running right now. Um, I got it on a steal from a buddy that was, that was headed out the door. So I, I picked it up from him and like, I go back and I shoot other rifles that have different optics on it. And I'm like, man, why don't I just take this scope off and put it on this gun because I'll probably like it way better. Yeah, I mean, so I think what hurt us um, prior to the PR2 is that we just didn't have the right reticle um, for the competition world. Okay. You know, we had stuff like the CCH, right? Competition, combat, hunting. You know, I, I say it's combat, competition, hunting, and it's a big C, small C, small H, right? Right. You can do all that with the, with the reticle, but it's really set up for combat. Um you know, H59, uh, trimmer super three, super busy, like super, super, super understanding wind dots and like, and we don't need all that. The the we don't need that in 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 this sport. I look through uh, uh, trimmer three and he's like hold two and I'm like looking at the two tenths mark and like shooting yeah. and like it was at um, it was at the uh, Precision Rifle Expo. Yeah, I yeah I don't know what scope it was, but I was looking through that and I was like I am lost as hell right yeah. now. And so the PR two like. Yeah, we, we went to quarter. It was a departure from from the standard the two tenths. Yeah, the yeah. two tenths. And you know, sometimes it's like, you know, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, okay, but is it right? Yeah. Just because that's the way we've always done it doesn't mean that things can't change. The CCH was quarter as well. Um, the problem with the CCH is it's had too much stuff in the reticle, you know. And so we took a bunch of that stuff out. And basically, the way I describe it is, it's everything you need and nothing that you don't. Right. And it's bare bones. You know, I, I like the the um, above two mils on the, mm -hmm. on the on the horizontal state going up. Uh, you know, it's clear from there. There's nothing. We don't have anything going up further than that. Like I saw Trace super good out to 12 right. this morning with it because there was nothing in the way. Nothing in the way. But I mean, how many times do you hold under? Like never. Rare, rarely. And if and you do, it's half mil, three quarter, something like that. Yeah. You know, so. That's a huge benefit of it. The other thing, too, is, like, most people miss downwind. They don't miss upwind. They don't miss pro wind. Pro side, yeah. Yeah, and so what it does is it forces you to to uh, make bolder adjustments, um, which then most of the time, you know, you, you get those impacts. You can still hold tents. It's just a matter of how you use the open spaces and mm -hmm. the different lines that are there. Um, yeah. So you can still do that uh, if, if – if, very rarely is your wind call one-tenth yeah. or your correction one-tenth. So. Rarely. Yeah. Um, like what I found like myself doing is like we got – so Alabama Precision, this last match, like the wind was all over the place. Yep. Um, big open space, some rolling hills, some updrafts, some, some craziness. I found myself just bracketing it mm -hmm. between half and three-quarter yep. on the long-range targets and I was getting my impacts. Yep. Like, do I really need to be, like, holding that exact six-tenth? Right. 
or is the coyote wide enough to where I'm, yep. I'm getting my hit? Yeah, you can be as precise as you want to be with the reticle. Um, and, and the part that a lot of people miss is that, like, per mill, we're removing one line, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about, like, or a shot like an ARD or something like that, right? There's a bunch of lines in front of your, in front of your field of view or the or the image, if you will. And so every time you put a line in front of the image, right? You're blocking basically light. You're blocking that image. Um, you're not you're, you're not blocking out light or whatever. It, it, it's just um, it's like a perception thing. It's but not passing through and exiting the exit pupil. Basically. Um, and so when you remove one line per mill multiplied by however many mills you got, right? I mean, it's it, there's a lot of lines you're taking out. Yeah. And so it it looks brighter. It looks, you know, you, you also are seeing more because there's less in the way, basically. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's it's a solid scope. I'm really happy with mine. I'm looking to – I'm looking to pick up – pick up one or two more yeah. i might appreciate trade off trade off some other ones that i've got yeah well america appreciates it too yeah it w- <laughs> exactly any last uh any last minute things you want to throw out there man appreciate you having us on um yeah we appreciate the business and the and the and you know the community um it's been super awesome to watch the growth of, of the mark five and, and loophole you know come back strong and um yeah we got we got a lot of exciting things coming and yeah stay tuned awesome appreciate you man yeah man thank Thanks. you All right, folks, I grabbed another vendor, and it just so happens he is the title sponsor for the Collis match because he works with Collis and Swarovski, and it is Rob. Ron. Rod. Ron. Ron. I'll get that right eventually. It's Ron. Williams. Williams. And... I mean, we've seen each other at a bunch of different matches. Uh, tons, be- tons. Between here, the AG Cup, um, the 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 finale down there at Altus when you guys were coming down there. Absolutely. Um, and you guys uh, actually have a optics package you ship to events and help match directors have quality glass to spot at their matches, right? Yeah, it's super important, you know. Everybody that shot these matches has had missed shots that didn't get a call from the RO, and it's always a great asset to the uh, match and the match director to not have any sort of controversy when uh, the when the ROs can actually spot the impacts in adverse conditions. So. Okay, so you guys have that that package of, of a match director can call you up and be like, "Hey, can we get that?" Absolutely, we ship it all over the world, all over the United States. No, that's problem. awesome. Yeah, so. How old is the Collis Company? The Collis Company is the oldest rifle scope manufacturer in the world under continuous existence. Okay, so there's no, like, break in between uh, or... None, none since 1898. That, that's a really old company. That's right. And they make rifle scopes and um, sport shooting products. That's correct. And they... They have a binocular line and some other products that we don't bring into North America. There was just no need, you know. But right. There's other companies filling that, that role. That's right. So, But we just bring the rifle scope SKUs. There's a second focal plane line of uh, 1 to 6 and 1 to 8 uh, scopes that have a, uh, IPSC, a reticle designed by the European okay. IPSC Commission. And it's a really cool mill-based 
basic Christmas tree with a couple dots in there, and it's it's designed for use on a 308 or a 556. Great on AR platform. Okay. A lot of your three gun shooters like that, like those, and then also it's an extremely robust tube that's durable. It will take a lot of thumping around and stuff without giving anybody any sort of issues. They're built like a tank. Awesome. Um, so with the Collis, you guys support. This is the Collis match. We're here at this, K&M. That's absolutely. This is the national two-day match. But you guys support other matches too. It's we not, do, yeah. Um, just because it's the Collis match, you're still supporting other matches. I know you guys have come down to, uh, to Altus in the past when they mm. were part of PRS, and um, Swarovski Collis was down there. Um, now, as I understand it, Swarovski owns Collis. That's correct. But you don't the, – the companies are separate, but they're also still together, right? That's correct. Because they're yeah. under the same ownership yeah. and things like that. Yeah. They're uh, the people at Collis are great people. I've rubbed elbows with them on several occasions. They're just the salt of the earth, fine folks. Uh, everything we get along great. Uh, it ju it's just a good fit, especially okay. in North America for Sona Swarovski Optic North America distribute call the Collis line. Okay, awesome. And then as far as um, uh, Swarovski, like you guys do it all there too. You guys have binoculars. That's you guys have. Laser range finders. You've got laser ranging binos. You've got spotting scopes. You've got like the giant 85 mil. We got the, 115 now with the BTX eyepiece. It's a dual eyepiece. The dual eyepiece yeah. with the little forehead. Oh, I yeah. mean, those yeah. things are um, like you. Can, I call them the future because you can literally see into the future. It seems like mm -hmm. it's that's crazy. Those things are awesome. Um, they're probably worth a pretty penny. They are. <laughs> But I mean, if I mean, if you're in the ELR game or something like that, and you're you're spotting three thousand yards or meters away, like you got to have have the power to see down there and and to spot them. Um, with those with those two companies, like they're obviously separate companies, but a lot of people assume or make the assumption that they're almost one and the same, but they are very very different. Your Collis is your 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 shooting sports lot the shooting sports company and Swarovski is primarily hunting. That's correct. And then on the uh, on like the binocular side, you know, we have a, a huge presence in the bird birding and natural market and naturalist market. Okay. Uh, then the uh, there's a lot of uh, like we're working. There's a lot of vacationers that that use our products for when they go on cruises. Okay. Uh, when they're taking a trip overseas, uh, a lot of people will take a trip. They get Swarovski binoculars. Sometimes they go on their trip, and they are around a lot of people with Swarovski binoculars okay. on their trip. They come back and end up purchasing them after the fact, you know. Okay. So it just... Uh, and and with with your, your, your Swarovski binos, like... I mean, those things are super, super clear, and um, I, I've looked through them. I don't personally own a set because I can't necessarily afford them yet, mm -hmm. but, like, they're super, super clear. Like, what, like, what is the, the build process or what components are getting put into these things to make them that next, the, that next tier of optics? Well, I've been to the factory, and it's like, uh, it's like going into, if you remember seeing – 
documentaries about NASA when they're building the rockets to go okay. to the moon and stuff. So they've got these like clean rooms okay. where these where the lenses are are coated. Okay. Uh, they've got these super computerized uh, electron microscopes that analyze the glass. Oh wow! To make sure that particular lens after it's ground is to specs. Okay. And the and the cull rate was astonishing to me. The amount that they decided was not good enough to go in the Swarovski optic. I was astounded at how much went into the trash can. Wow. So if they can't do it right, they won't do it at all. That's kind of okay. the way the company operates, you know. So That's that's amazing. It so, is amazing. So you said this was Swarovski North America. Where is Swarovski like where is Swarovski and Collis actually based? Swarovski is based in the Innsbruck area in okay. in Austria. And then Collis is in the Vienna, in Vienna area, okay. in Austria. And so, uh, anyway, it's not a very big country, Austria, but uh, uh, they they were always friends. They got along well, the Swarovski family and the Collis family, and that's how our relationship began. Okay. And now it's just kind of, I don't want to say one and the same because they're two separate, separate companies. Separate entities, yes. But that, they, that, they have a very good partnership. Very work, good, yes. Working relationship. That is 100% correct. So, like... How does how does Collis like get into this sport? They're they're a sport shooting company. How do they get in? How did they get into like the Precision Rifle Series or the or the NRL Hunter? Like how yep. did how did that how did that come to be about? The basic relationship began with Shannon K right here at K and M. Okay, and so he he helped us design. He was instrumental in design of the reticle, the SKMR reticle, okay. in the Collis line of scopes, and that stands for Shannon K. Milling Reticle. <laughs> okay, so, fair enough. At any rate, so, and he still works with us on, uh, on the next generation of reticles that's coming out. So, okay. Yep, he's a, he does consulting work for us. So. Okay, and he kind of like was like, hey, there's this whole world of competitive competitive rifle marksmanship yep you guys make rifle scopes have you thought about doing this and then you guys kind of partnered up and ran with it and yep. now we have now we've got like the the i525 and yep. we've got all these awesome scopes that people are using here this weekend yeah i see quite a bit of them out on the prize table because oh, you, yep. you guys are the title sponsor title sponsor like it's it's super awesome so you guys have a booth set up here and you guys are showing off both Collis and Swarovski yep. optics. What um, what's like the latest and greatest that your companies have have come out with for the the, the shooting sports world? Well, the uh, the compact spotting scopes we came out with those last year, and they're not necessarily the SLC fifteen fifty six has been the flagship of the PRS and the NRL world for several years now, used for okay. spotting. But this uh, little compact spotter, I always tell guys, they said, well, I've got the SLCs. Why do I need the spotting scope? Well, I know for a fact you do a lot of Western hunting mm -hmm. and in some very aggressive territory where you've got to backpack in. And the little compact spotter weighs little or nothing, takes up very little room in your backpack. Exactly. And so I always tell them, say, well, if you're going to shoot PRS and you're also going to be a hunter, Yep. I would lean toward the compact spotter. Right. If you're strictly shooting P 
PRS, then I would probably lean toward the 1556 SLC. Just a suggestion, you know. Right. And, you know, everybody has to make up their own decision. Right. What's right for them. I have noticed that the amount of trace that I'm able to see with the compact spotter is amazing. And, of course, I've got demos of all of our units all the way up through the 115. And for whatever reason, I'm going to be carrying a one, uh, this compact spotter around with me all weekend here. Okay. But just you get behind the shooter, and when nobody else is seeing trace, I can see trace. So. Okay. And that just goes back to the, the manufacturing process of such high that, standard and tolerance and inspection QCs. and. That and then that compact spotter has a rather long focal length for its size. Okay. And that allows you to see uh, see more smaller details in more inclement situations where uh, viewing is not ideal. Okay. So, at any rate. Awesome. Um, so, I also see something that's, that's over on the Collis booth right now, and I haven't gone over there and looked at it yet, but it looks to be snapped or attached to the front of a rifle scope. That's actually our Swarovski TM35 clip-on thermal unit. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, it's a, uh, a 320 okay. processor, and it's got a, I think it's got a 60 uh, refresh rate, which is nice and fast. Okay. And it weighs nothing. Okay. And we, we, we're, we're, we tell the customers there's zero point of impact, and in my testing, that has been true. Okay. Uh, it runs really nice on the second focal plane scopes because... You don't really want a lot of magnification when you're hunting at night. And right. so, so I generally run mine in the, I say the sweet spots between five and six power magnification. And so I run it on a second focal plane Swarovski just so I've got a nice bold reticle to see in a low right. light situation. Yeah, so for sure. It's a great little unit. It's nice and light. I think that's why it has a no zero impact shift right there's not a not a lot of weight not a lot of weight hanging on the front there so we don't have to have any sort of adjustment in my testing uh, i've been able to at 100 yards uh, pretty much put them in the same bullet hole with it on and with it out and so uh, okay awesome you know and then your ranges with the thermal at night are seldom very long anyway so right but it's a great little unit uh it shows really well at night and so uh when I do a demo of the evening with it, everybody is super surprised what a decent outfit it is, especially if they've already owned or experienced other brands of thermals. Right. So they come into the, uh, well, Sarasi's making a thermal. We've got to see how good it is. So they, we take them out of the evening, and they all pretty much to a man will say the same thing. This thing's friggin' awesome. You right. Know, you know, and Americans have a history of not really liking clip-ons that well. Clip-ons right. used to be a huge, heavy unit. Right. You had to have a, basically a rail, rail to mount on them top, on. Yep. And they were a, kind of a pain to deal with. And these modern clip-ons are just not that away. Okay. And so, uh, and uh, you, you can do, look at it. It's a Swarovski. It's got a Swarovski case. It looks Swarovski. If you own a Swarovski product, it, it fits right on there, works great. We have all the different adapters, and they're, okay. they're made to fit a Swarovski scope. Okay. And so uh, occasionally they will fit another brand of scope. Uh, you have to fiddle around with them and find the right adapter to work. Right. But, uh, but they work the best when they're run on a Swarovski scope. Okay. So Outstanding. So um, what else do you want? 
last parting last parting shots. What else do you want people to know about the two companies? Like, if if one of my one of my listeners is sitting here and they're like Swarovski, call us. I've never heard of this before. What do you what would you say to those people to to take a look at, at your options in either binos, spotters, or rifle scopes? Our corporate company policy is we we don't make stuff up to sell our products when we have data technical data out there it's correct that's why some people say how come your scopes are like a 1.7 magnification why didn't you just round it up to two right we don't do that you know okay and so uh we we tell the truth about what our products are capable of and so we want people to trust us and we uh it's just kind of our company core philosophy okay and so we our service is very good on our products if somebody has an issue with it we're very good at getting them taken care of okay uh that's always been a uh a gimme you know since i've been involved with the company for 10 years now i don't know how many people i've talked to that just couldn't believe what a good job we did when they did have issues with a product, okay. you know, and anything made by man is going to have problems, you know. Yeah, it's It inherent. doesn't matter who it is and how good they are. Somebody can break it or somebody can manage to have it not work right and need help out with their product. And so we're very good at taking care of those customers. Okay. So. Awesome. So great customer service and just solid, solid product. Solid product. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, yep. and, and truth and advertising. Truth and advertising, absolutely. That's, you know, I was, I was actually blown away the first couple of years I was involved with the company about some of the little things we do that we don't have to do, but we draw a line in the sand and we tell the truth. And so, uh, you know, I look at what other people have done. It's like we tell the truth about what we're doing. Awesome. We stick to that. So. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and chatting with me for a little bit. And if anybody's got any any questions, you can find you can find these guys on the internet. And you got uh, I know Collis has a has a Instagram account. I'm sure Swarovski has an Instagram account as well. Yep. So you can find them there and and message them, and they can get all your answers, all the answers to whatever questions you do have. Absolutely. And sometimes, uh, unlike the Instagram questions. Uh, the people that they shoot those questions right back to me. Well, Ron, you were at a match and somebody wants to know yeah. about your setup that you had at the match that you were shooting. And so then I end up answering a lot of those questions as well. Awesome. One thing I do like about the PRS organization since I've been involved with it and working with Collis and Shrosky is the amount of people that are on the outside looking in at what we're doing. And so we, okay. we see... I get to talk to them in the stores when I go into our customers' stores, mm-hmm. uh, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I saw this on whoever read, heard this on whoever's podcast. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on YouTube." Uh, they're watching. They're paying attention to what everybody's doing here. They may not be attending the matches, but they definitely are keeping track of what the shooters are using, what products are are selling. And so it, it's a great endeavor for everybody to be involved in. Awesome. Sweet. I, well, I appreciate your time, and I can't wait to, uh, to get over there and check out that thermal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely do that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, sir. You're welcome, buddy. You have a great Thank afternoon. You.
All right, folks, we are back. We have another vendor with us, and this is Michael from Boss Silencers. Does Boss stand for anything? It does. Uh, Black Ops Suppression Systems. Black Ops Suppression Systems. See? I'm glad I asked. <laughs> Instead of just be like, why are you guys the boss? All right, so lightning round. In-N-Out or Whataburger? In-N-Out. Okay. What's your order at In-N-Out? I've only been once, and I got a double cheeseburger because that's a West Coast thing. It is. Yeah. Match you want to attend that you haven't yet? Well, before this one, this one. Uh, I've heard the Frostbite's pretty good. Uh, what's Area 419's match that they're doing? The Hoover, Hoover Hellfire? The Hellfire, yeah. yeah. That's probably one I'd like to do. One, do you shoot matches? I, not anymore. Okay. So I, I moved away from competition. Uh, my brother, uh, Nick Kane, he's a shooter. He okay. does PRS. Uh, I stopped doing PRS just before, just at the beginning of COVID. Okay. Uh, I used to do IDPA, USPSA, mostly okay. pistol stuff. Um, got into PRS and then pretty much moved into making PRS gear. Okay. And away from the matches. Honestly, my knees don't work so well in some of the PRS stuff anymore. So if okay, I'm not prone, I'm not, I'm not happy. <laughs> um, but Nicholas for his size moves very, very good, and he is a very, very good shooter. Okay. So while you were shooting, what was some of your match gear prep? Like, how would you prep to go to a match? Uh, well, so with my job in the government, I had to travel a lot with a lot of gear, so I have my processes for just checking, making sure I have everything. Okay. Um, and I, I try to put everything in the same pocket every time. So I would just make sure that I had all my bags, all my rounds, and I'm pretty anal about labeling all my rounds. Um, okay. And I use the same bag, the same gear, uh, the same oil, the same tools every single time, and I don't change things. Okay. I think it's pretty common in the PRS world is eliminating variables. Right. So my, my process is pretty consistent and, and not hard to follow because I keep everything so together. So similar, yeah. I don't, I don't intermix my match gear with my range gear, with my right. shooting in my house gear. So I keep it pretty tidy that way. Okay. Hunting or fishing? Uh, hunting. Okay. What do you hunt? Uh, you know, I, it's embarrassing. I, I, I don't actively hunt. Okay. Um, I'm not against hunting. Um, uh, I, the idea of taking life is not exciting for me. I was, I, I've deployed to Afghanistan a few times in other war zones, so I've, I've had to deal with real-life hunting. Right. And I found just my personal constitution... I don't get as much enjoyment out of it as many of the other people that I know. Okay. And so I never had the taste for it. Okay. Um, but if I did hunt, I would probably hunt deer uh, because I can eat it and I can right. live off it. And I, and I can, in my, I have deer in my front yard I can hunt. And so if I, if I were to, it would probably be deer just because I feel like that's part of the, the, the life cycle. Okay. Yeah, that would be consistent with what I feel is good. Okay. And then last question would be person you want to train with. <laughs> like who, if you were to go hit the range and have like a prone training session, who would you want to go train with? Okay, you'll know his name. It's, I've been out of it for a while. He, who was the, U, the IDPA champion or USPSA champion? What's the guy? He was a cop. He's the best pistol shooter around. He, he knows Taryn. Taren at Taren Tactical. USPSA US shooter. He was the number one guy. He's really short. He was a cop for a while. He shoots Glocks, 34s. Um, I'll know him if I hear him. 
you had to say his, you had to say that like uh, he was the Glock team captain. Yeah, I know exactly. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. And, and we'll get his name, and we'll Google it if we have to for your listeners. But I have watched so many of his videos, and his philosophy on becoming a champion and programming his brain right. to be a champion. I love his strategies, and he has been researching the mental preparation for championships for his whole life, and I, ju- I just eat it up, and it makes so much sense to me, and I'm like, God, yeah, I got to do that. And not to mention, he's just an amazingly good shooter. Right. I want to say it's Shane, Shane Sean. Well, I wish I had my phone. We can look it up, but... Uh, we get terrible service here, yeah, but right. I'll have to look it up. Um, but well, in your in on the website, you can update this for, you, yeah. for your, your listeners. But um, and I know you would recognize him in a heartbeat. If I heard, yeah, if you heard like his name. face is like right there. Like yep. I've met him a handful of times via Shot Show. Um, but that's definitely who, because I feel like just spending an hour with him, I would advance to another level yeah. of skill. Um, awesome. So that was the lightning round. All right. And we're here at the Callus match, which is at K and M. It's national two day match. And we have a handful of vendors up, and you're the only one that's set up here that makes the firearms quieter. Mm-hmm. We got some ear pro, we got optics, we got presses, we got reloading components, tripods, all kinds of fun stuff. But you're the only suppressor company up here. So what? What is Boss Silencers? Where'd you guys start? Give me the origin story. Like, how did all this come to? be about what makes your suppressor like the bee's knees for you guys great question uh how much time do you have <laughs> i got all the time in the world uh if you're looking for content i i'm your man today so um where do i begin uh well boss silencers you know there's a lot of silencer companies out there and i've been fascinated with the science of sound suppression Probably most of my adult life, I am trained as an engineer. And so I was reading an article in Popular Science probably 20 years ago when I learned about the, the original Maxim silencer. Okay. And, and, I, and that just the idea of being able to slow down gases and, not, and make them quiet was oddly fascinating to me. And that's obviously why I make silencers because it's, it's not as interesting as it is to me as, as for everybody else. So I started thinking about this just in my spare time and thinking about ways to, to make my own designs. And about 10 years ago, I started to make my own Form 1 silencers mm-hmm. and reading everything there was about what people were doing and not terribly impressed what was available. So I started applying some of the ideas that I had over time and then stumbled upon an article uh, about a Nikola Tesla one-way flow valve. Okay. Which, which is a over a hundred year old patent, and you can Google it. Anybody can. It's it's a it's a long expired patent made by Nikola Tesla that uh, allows gas or liquids to flow only one way through a through a tube. Okay. And by using a unique chambering pattern, where the the pressure is um, in one direction only, uh, reduced because the the flow comes back onto the original source of the flow. So there, it looks kind of like a butterfly wings coming back onto itself. Okay. And, and they're asymmetrical. They can't be symmetrical. They have to create um, a temporary vacuum and then on one side, which will, and then allows it to continue and then progressively, which adds up to a, a negative pressure, which allows it to only go one way. Okay. Without getting too much into the weeds, it's fascinating. If you research silencer designs today, this concept among other silencer designers is 
very well known. Everybody knows this one-way flow valve technology because it's kind of the thing that people try to do. But nobody had been able to really do it before. So that's what we did. We were able, we experimented uh, a variety of different baffle designs with different venting patterns, asymmetrical, symmetrical, uh, that, that rotated and spun around in a spiral pattern or that were just alternating back and forth every 180. And we found a design that worked, that worked in the same size as every other silencer, but it re dramatically reduced the overall sound, uh, uh, sound report uh, at both at the shooter and um, around the shooter. And the okay. same size and the same weight profile as every other silencer out there. Um, that is probably the single most unique thing about our silencers. And it's the one thing that no one else has been able to do, at least that I know of. So our baffle stack, it's not patented because it's already been patented. It's, it's, right. it's a replica. It's a three-dimensional replica of Nikola Tesla's one-way flow valve patent. That, okay. So what it does is as the gas leaves... The vents are asymmetrical, and there's a large vent, and there's a small vent, and there's and one's up high and one's down low. But when you stack them, the gases will go the same way asymmetrically. One will go, one side will lead, and then the other side will lag, and then that side will lead, and the other side will lag. Okay. And the gases come back onto the center bore where the source of the gases come from and slows all of it down. I know you readers can't see this, but I have a silencer in front of me, and I'm showing you. As the gases come out the barrel of the gun, all of, the, all of the gases come through these vents back onto itself before it picks up back in the flow. Now, you can't do it one way. It's not, you can't really stop it from going. Right. But the same theory in silencers is, is how this works. Okay. Now, this does exactly two things. It slows the gas down as it, before it leaves the silencer, which is what makes it quiet. It's the, the speed of the gas moving is what makes it loud. Right. So when you slow it down, you can reduce the sound. But what it also does is it reduces the back pressure. So reducing back, back pressure in an, in an AR or gas gun is the holy grail of silencers. Like you and I were talking about with right. OSS flow-through flow, flow cans, you can reduce the back pressure of a silencer, but you can't have reduced back pressure and reduced sound at the same time okay. until Boss Cans. Boss Cans does both. We have reduced sound signature and reducing, reduced gas. Now, we're not going to be as... as as good as OSS as a flow-through design is, right? But we are going to blow them out of the water on sound suppression. Okay. So if you take any other any other can that is not a flow-through can that doesn't use our our designs, we are going to beat them both on back pressure and sound. Okay. And so that's pretty much what's the most unique thing about our technology, is that we we put just so much thought and science into recreating in a three-dimensional way Nikola Tesla's original one-way flow valve, and it works. Okay. So, you're, like, if you were to meter, what you're saying is if you were to meter this can next to a standard can um, and not a flow-through can, just mm -hmm. like a standard can, you would have reduced blowback and you would have uh, reduced sound. But with a flow-through, you're going to, uh, from, say, OSS, you're going to beat them on sound, but not necessarily on flow through because there's is you know back pressure because there's is a flow through can. I don't think, and this is just my opinion. I don't think anybody can 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 compete with that particular design on um, back pressure reduction uh, because there's is strictly a flow through. It's basically just a tube that routes it out the front. It, you know, it's right. not. E it's almost not even r a real suppressor. It's just a way of managing the gas outside the gun right. and, and reducing sound but it's not it, it has a different purpose in my opinion 
So we can't, nobody can really compete with that real flow through. But right. because it's a flow through, it's incredibly loud. Okay. At, you know, out at, past the muzzle. Um, but yeah, if you can, if you take our cans, any of our models, and you compare it to any other can of the exact same size, we are going to beat them every time. Okay. And where are these actually manufactured? We manufacture them in our in our manufacturing facility in Stafford, Virginia. Okay. In the, in the U.S. and nothing is outsourced. Okay, so every everything that you're putting into this can is Boss made in made in America. Um, now your your made up system. You do have direct thread, but you also have um, quick disconnect. I guess would be the term for it. Sure. So. We did not want to get into the quick disconnect game because there's okay. more than enough companies out there where people have their favorite QD systems, and we were not going to try to compete with that. Uh, not to mention, if you already have, you know, ten guns all using the same QD system, yeah. why, what can we offer that's going to be better than that for you? Right. The can is where we wanted to focus. So what we do is we make our our mounting thread pattern hub compatible. Okay. So for for your listeners, hub is the the term used to define the Silencer Co. ASR thread pattern, which is 1.375 by 24, and it's colloquially called hub. Uh, I don't know if it stands for anything personally, but uh, that is the thread pitch that we use for our mounting system, and you can use our direct thread that every silencer comes with a direct thread uh, that's uh, appropriate for that bore. So if right. it's you know if it's a, a 30 cal can, it'll be a, a a 5 eighths by 24 pattern, right? And if it's a 556, five, it'll be at half by 20, uh, half by 24, uh, or half by yeah, half by 24. Um, but the mount onto the silencer is universal to almost everybody else's QD system. Okay. So whatever you like to use, ASR, Q, Chemo, YHM, Griffin. I mean, everybody that uses everybody uses that same. So you can use anybody else's QD system on our silencers without having to worry about compatibility. Awesome. So, your is it is your lockup system still manufactured by you guys, or are you guys using somebody else's lockup system with that thread pitch? So we don't really. We just accommodate other people's systems. We don't even really actively sell QD systems. Okay, gotcha. We can. It's. I mean, right. it, but it's just it's it's easy enough for for anybody else just to just go, go to, to their website and buy and it. buy whatever it is that you want. Right. Uh, chances are you probably already have it. If you're a silencer guy and you use QD, you probably already have mounts uh, that you can use. So we we don't actively sell those. We we could okay. uh, if a customer wanted it and it's like yeah okay fine we'll call Silencer Co and have them. You know, an order of amount for you. Sure, that's not. Yeah. A, it's something that we're happy to do, but it's not. It's just not something that we worry about. Okay. Um, and what what style of cans do you guys work with? I mean, like we're here at a PRS event, but like, do you guys have like a Brandon PRS can versus like a hunting can versus like a can that's going on a on a a 10.5 AR platform, mm -hmm. like, like what's your guys's, what's your guys's product line look like? That is actually a, a very good question. Um, when we first started out, we were thinking that we would need a variety of different cans for a variety of different missions and use cases. For example, we were going to have a dedicated 300 blackout can. Right. It's 30 caliber, but the baffle stack was going to be geared towards subsonic round. As it turns out, we prototyped it. And our flagship chairman, 30 cal can, which is meant for high velocity, high pressure rounds for 308, 65 Creedmoor, 
six GT things like that. Um, it actually was the same performance as our dedicated subsonic 300 blackout can. So we just decided to use the, the chairman as our catch-all for anything 30 cal and under high uh, in any in any use. Right. The only downside to it is that it's eight inches long. So right. if you're worried about length, it, it may or may not be the best use. However. This is a very multi-use can, so you could put this on your hunting rifle. You could put it on your PRS. Uh, we have two PRS shooters here that have this can on their gun, including Mike Rogan, who's our team shooter. Okay. Uh, he runs the Chairman 30 cal on his competition rig. Uh, Nicholas Cannon uh, in our company who runs PRS, he also runs the Chairman, and it works just fine. I run one of these on my 300 Blackout, and it's great. It's movie right. quiet. Um, outside of PRS, uh, we have a, fi a dedicated 5.56 Ca uh, caliber for your AR platforms, right. which is a six-inch long can, one and a half inch by one and a half one and a half inch diameter can. Um, great price point, super lightweight. Beat the crap out of it. You can run it. At, uh, you can run any barrel length that you want. Okay. But um, we don't really recommend it for constant use. Anything less than ten and a half. Right. We ab abuse them when full auto on our eight and a half inch shorty all day long and they shoot fine but over it's just going to wear out faster right so, so we recommend 10 and a half inches going to give you the best longevity for and you can run full auto on that's that's fine no yeah problem. i was going to ask if your can's full full auto rated sure so you know is is the chairman full auto rated as well because like somebody wants to put this on like a scar heavy that they have a, a giggle switch on like is that going to be able to take it as well yep and you could put it on a, on a on a saw you know if you really wanted to right. on a 240 uh if you really wanted to sure but again it's just going to wear out faster. I mean, right. nothing is impervious to wear. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you're just going to wear it out faster. But can it take it? Absolutely. Full auto all day long. Um, you know, this can take, we haven't tried it on a 300 wind mag, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Right. The pressure, the pressure ratings that we've, that we've done the math on are, are well within our safety range for the, okay. those higher pressure rounds. Um, so you got a 5.56, five, you got a 3.08. Do you have other other cans or yep. is there anything in the making yep we our new can is called the el jefe and it's a dedicated 22 caliber can okay um a little bit of an understatement it will also work with uh 5.7 fn 57 it'll work okay. with 17 hmr 22 mag obviously anything that'll fit down the board will work it probably would work on a 5.56 it just wouldn't uh suppress very well right but it will work it'll, it'll yeah. function just fine but it, it's what's unique about it is it's uh self-serviceable our other silencers do not have a self-service capability for cleaning. Um, we take care of that because we offer those services in-house. Okay, that was going to be another question. Um, but our, our new El Jefe 22 can is self-serviceable. It does take down very easily with standard tools. Okay. Just a socket wrench and a, and a t we recommend torquing it down to 50 foot-pounds. Okay. Uh, and so it has a three-quarter inch mount on the, on the mount side or three-quarter inch. Um, uh, uh, you can just put a three-quarter inch wrench or socket right. on the one side. And then we include a special tool for the cap that right. goes up to a 3 8 uh, ratchet. Okay. Or a, a so like a, a torque wrench. So you just torque it down to 50 foot-pounds, and then you can take it on and off gun the, without it falling apart. Okay. Um, and you mentioned uh, self-service on the 22 can, but not you said not on, the, on these cans. And you said you provide a service for that. So, like, what is the cleaning regimen or process or application for cleaning one of these um, larger larger cans sure here. sure so the uh, 
the chairman and the guillotine. The the five five six can is called the guillotine. Okay. The guillotine and the chairman um, can probably go roughly five thousand to ten thousand rounds, depending on what you're shooting out of it and how right. you know how dirty the that powder is. You'll get between five and ten thousand rounds before you really even want to clean it. Whether you have to is another question. You probably still don't have to clean it. I've got one with fourteen thousand rounds, never cleaned it, shoots just fine. Um, but between five and ten thousand rounds is when you may want to, and at that point you just send it in, and we will actually take it down ourselves. We will clean out the inside, replace baffles as necessary for free, one time with every silencer purchase. Okay. So we obviously keep our keep track of all of our serial numbers, and one time throughout the use of the the purchase of the silencer, uh, we will do a free. We call it like a factory refurbishing. Right. We'll make it like new. That does not include the outside finish. That is right. just the interior guts and the performance of the silencer, but we do that one time for free. Uh, and that includes replacing hardware as necessary. So after, so I purchase one of these, I purchase chairman, I put 10,000 rounds through it. I call you guys up. I want to send it in for, for factory refresh, air quotes. Send it in, I get my one time free. I put another 10,000 rounds through mm-hmm. it. At that point, what would I be looking for if it was just a cleaning and didn't have to replace any baffles or anything else like that? Sure. And actually... Has that even happened yet? <laughs> it, it has not happened yet. Um, we are a fairly new company, so I don't think that, that we haven't gotten enough people to shoot that many rounds through it yet. But um, if you do, we'd love that. We offer the exact same service for $200. So oh, that's it, not bad at it's, all. It's not just a cleaning. It's a we. It's the exact same thing that we offer for free with every purchase, but it's a two hundred dollar fee. We do the exact same thing. We take it down. We clean. We replace as necessary, and we return it to you in factory new condition. Okay, what is what is that turnaround time for the for the cleaning process? It can vary. Um, I mean, right? You know, uh, it's probably. From the time we get it in hand to the time it's back in your hands is probably about three weeks. That's not bad. Yeah, and it can be faster. It's probably not going to be slower than a month. Right. You know, we would, we would have to be inundated with that for us not to be able to turn around right. uh, in less than a month. Okay. But realistically, yeah, yeah, I'd say two to three weeks is a pretty reasonable turnaround. And, like, what is – like, you guys are here – you're at this match. You guys are. You got your your booth set up, and you're you're showing your products. You're talking to people. Like, how did you come to be a sponsor of this match? That's a great question. Uh, so, like we were talking about earlier, I I, I did used to shoot PRS, mm-hmm. uh, and I have been in love with long range shooting for a number of years. About four years ago. Um, I wanted to go to a long-range shooting school, and so I did a okay. lot of research. And, of course, anybody who does enough research eventually finds that the best game in town is K&M yep. right here in, in Tennessee. And so um, I came here for their two-day course okay. and changed my life. Um, I mean, truly changed my life and opened my eyes to a whole world of shooting that I, I just had never learned. And it really excited me because of the science of ballistics and right. trajectory and physics and uh, and loading and, and matching loads to the, to the rounds and were, you know, that one trigger pull is six months worth of research and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and yes. you know, I can, I can teach anybody to shoot at a thousand yards in 15 minutes, but getting the gun to be able to do it and getting that data is six months worth of work. Right. And that's what I really love. The science, the scientists in me just fell in love with that. So came to K&M here four years later, come again with uh, my brother and 
we are here. We did the four-day course uh, okay. uh, uh, not too long ago. And Mike Rogan, who is a longtime instructor here, yep. of course, we brought our silencers with us. And Mike, if, if anybody who knows Mike Rogan knows that he's, he's one of the funniest, most entertaining people you ever meet. Very animated gentleman. Extremely animated and <laughs> all-around great person to have around. And so we hung out quite a bit. And he said, hey, Mike, you want to try want to try our can out? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And he ran a suppressor, the, the brand they have here on the house guns, um, mm -hmm. KGM. Yep. And... He said, yeah, let's throw it on there. So we threw it on there, and he was, to say he was impressed is a gross understatement. He, I think his exact words were, that's not leaving my gun. Fair uh, enough. At, uh, right on his six, I think he runs six GT, mm -hmm. and he, right out of the gate, not only was there no POI shift, um, it, he, he said his, uh, his zero group sh uh, got actually, uh, smaller. Smaller. By, you know, 10, 15%, noticeably so. Okay. And he was an instant believer, and he said, "That's I, we got to figure something out." So between him and our the relationship that we had built with Shannon Kay, they welcomed us out here to be a to be the silencer sponsor for this event, and we brought a whole team to RO and support the event. Awesome! And we couldn't be happier. Now you guys are doing something special for the match as a match sponsor. Can you talk about that? Absolutely, yeah. So. Um, we're be we're going to be giving away uh, two prizes. The first prize we're sponsoring stage ten, which is uh, shooting off the car uh, at the mover range of five hundred yards. The for every everybody who cleans that stage is going to get a raffle ticket, and then at the end we're going to draw among those raffle tickets, and the winner gets a, a brand new Boss Chairman silencer for their for their rig. Awesome. The other prize we're going to do is just uh, to give back to the ROs. We're going to do the exact same drawing for all the ROs, and we're going to give a $250 uh, coupon for anything at our store. Awesome. So $250 towards uh, any of our silencers or, or gear or anything that's on our, uh, on our website. Just to say thank you to the ROs who come out here non-paid and support these events. Yep. And they're always hard up for ROs. So Everybody's always hard up yep. for ROs. I mean, I RO. I used to RO more than I shot. So, like, yeah. I always RO'd. And... I mean, it is it is hard to get ROs to come mm -hmm. in to come and RO a match because yep. it's time out of their weekend. They're seeing all their friends, but I mean, they'd rather be shooting. Yeah, exactly. So it's perfect for me, you know, because I don't shoot matches anymore. I love to, to, to RO, and it's a great opportunity for us to be involved and and get our products in front of 280 of the country's best shooters. Right. It's a, a well, win 279. Win. I'm not going to count myself. <laughs> so there we go. Well, if you clean that match, if you clean that round. Yeah. Then you're 500 you're straight 10 500 off the mover. I might be able to do that. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I was I was doing pretty good on the mover today during practice. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're we're excited about it. And and today during demo day, everybody was uh, seemed to be pretty impressed with what they saw. So they were pretty excited at the possibility of getting a free one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't like a like a free can? And it's obviously much cheaper than like buying the can and paying for the tax stamp. All you got to do is pay for the tax stamp. Yep, uh, it's it's a small fee. So the the chairman goes for uh, seven ninety nine is the uh, the street price okay. that we go for. So it's an eight hundred dollar value that we're giving away. Um, and we yeah, so that that was going to be my other question. So the chairman is uh, eight hundred bucks, and the guillotine guillotine the five five six four ninety nine four ninety nine. That those are not bad prices. You know, I, I, we've been toying with the idea of, of some kind of a uh, you know, guarantee because I. There, there are two things that I, I am really confident that are going to happen. Number one, no one is going to find a quieter can than ours in the same size. Okay. You give me the same size, 
I challenge anybody to, to, to go head-to-head. We will get a meter. We'll get the same guns, and we'll go back-to-back. And if you, can, if you can find one that's the same exact proportion, the dimensions as our, as our guillotine and shoots 5.56, five, that's quieter, I, we have to figure out something to give because it's just not going to happen. Right. Like we'll, we'll, we'll back that up with some kind of a guarantee or, I don't know, you, I'll give you a free silencer or something. I don't right. know. But something to make it, to prove it because we're that confident that it's just not out there. Okay. Um, and the other thing, you're, just, you're not going to find a better value for your money. Uh, $500 for a 5.56 can in today's market is still on the very low end of price. Yeah. But it's, you, know, you get a lot for your money. Yeah. And it's not just sound suppression, it's everything. It's, you know, durability, it's weight, it's everything. Yeah, absolutely. I I haven't shot any of my bolt guns suppressed cuz I obviously don't have any suppressors and nobody's going to let me borrow their suppressor cuz you know the rules, somebody's got to that person that's got the stamp mm-hmm. has to be with you and it's it's always been a hassle. But like I'm getting older <laughs> and my hearing's <laughs> getting worse. Especially after, I mean, damn there are 20 years mm. of loud noises. Yep. So, like, if I can shoot stuff that's quieter, I definitely want to. You know, once you start shooting suppressed on a regular basis, uh, you just don't want to shoot unsuppressed anymore. I have a lot of hearing damage from, from you know, uh, from my old job. And I, I usually run two sets of ear pro. I run inner yeah. ear and outer ear. And running with a silencer not only makes it safer, it, you're... You're more polite to your neighbors or oh, yeah. the people shooting next to you. It, it makes the overall experience more pleasant, and it's just, you, you, you know, I don't go back. Not to mention, when you shoot a 300 blackout in subsonic, it's a giggle fest. I don't care. I mean, yeah. it's just the, the it's just the, the, the that in 22, it, it feels movie quiet. Yeah. And it's the, the one thing that gets you to movie quiet, and it feels, it's so fun. It just all smiles. And once you do that on a regular basis, you never want to go back. Yep. So, um and we think that over time, the laws will start to become hopefully more rational. And perhaps one day, silencers won't even be part of NFA. And everybody can have them. Like I mean, that would be nice. It would be nice. So we'll be ready for that day. Oh, you be- you better have a lot <laughs> in stock because they're going to go fast. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be sold out as soon as that, as soon as that happens. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So uh, what last parting shots do you want to throw out there? What's your guys' like? What are your guys' socials? What are your your the website? How do they get in contact with you? Yep, X Y Z. Great question. So bosscans.com, B-O-S-S-C-A-N-S.com. Okay. Uh, and that's just short for Black Ops Suppression Systems.com. Uh, our cans are available for purchase through the website. Just uh, order them and include your local FFL information, and we'll ship them right to your to your local SOT dealer, your local silencer dealer. Um, Boss can at Boss Cans or at yeah at Boss Cans on Instagram. Okay. Uh, Facebook.com slash uh, Boss Silencers. Okay. And again, if you just Google Boss Silencers, you're gonna find us every which way. Okay. On awesome. every on every social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, uh, YouTube uh, as well. And we're out there, and we're growing every day. And matches like this, we're gonna be a household name in no time. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me about uh, about your suppressors and a little bit of the the science behind them. I I'm like I'm sitting here and I'm like trying to look like I'm paying attention, but I'm like I'm a very kinesthetic learner, so I'm <laughs> just like trying to draw it in my mind how you're talking about it, and right. I'm like, okay, I get it. It's it's flowing now. I got it. I got it. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a little bit of info about it. Super appreciate it. Thanks so, thanks so much for having us uh, on, on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks, sir. Thank you.